So we're embarked upon a journey of the untethered soul, and Sharon started us out last week in a very fundamental and important way. And, and if you don't mind, Sharon, I'm going to give them a second dose. <laughs> Let me recap just a little bit. So last week, what we learned is a little bit more about ourselves and the tendency that we have to over-identify with attributes of ourselves that are not ourselves. Example. We have roles as mother, as father, as sisters. We have roles at work in our profession. We have roles and identities that we put on being a man or a woman, being young or being older. All of these different attributes, if we're not careful, will define us. And so Sharon, I think, very wisely left us last week with, what's the part of us that doesn't change? What is the part of us, that unique, that, that spiritual, that soulful part of us that doesn't get older, that, that wouldn't have its world you know, wrecked if, if the marriage broke up, if the, if the family busted apart, if the job failed? Do you know what I mean? When we have an over-identification with the things in our world, with how we look, with what's going on with our jobs, with our lives... What do we do when those things change? There is a part of you that doesn't change. And we're going to talk some more about that today. And thank you for leading us off with that last week, Sharon. It's really important. Okay, so this week we're going to talk a little bit then about the care and feeding of this I thing, this thing that sits above and behind all of this this stuff in our lives, these, uh, these suits that we wear, the, the suit that we wear that is a woman or a man, the suit that is, we wear that is a, a person in this particular place in America at this particular time, the suit that we wear you know, when we go to work and pretend to be whatever it is <laughs> that we pretend to be when we're at work, right? There is something beyond and above that, something that is the very spark of spirit of God itself within each one of us, and it needs care and feeding. And I think that we all have a sense of where our energy for our bodies comes with to keep this suit running, right? The energy that we get from that is from the air, from the water, from the food that we eat. It's from, um, it's from the sleep that we get, or last night I didn't get enough of. But I think we have a good handle on taking our supplements, if you know what I mean, and, and putting our best front on this physical body. But what about that unchangeable body? What about the very energy and strength and fortitude of life that keeps the inner us moving? I have a joke. <laughs> All right. So there's a young man at a construction site, and he was bragging that he could outdo anyone in feats of energy, strength, or endurance. He made a special case of making a little bit of fun of one of the older workmen. After several minutes, this older worker had frankly just had enough. Why don't you put your money where your mouth is, he said. I'll bet you a week's wages that I can haul something in this wheelbarrow way over to that other building over there that you won't be able to wheel back. You're on, old man, the young man replied. So the old man reached out, grabbed the wheelbarrow by the handles. He turned to the young man and said, all right, get in. <laughs> So 
so what is this energy? What is this sense of endurance, this sense of vitality then that nourishes our inner self rather than just our bodies? And I would like to do this through an illustration starting out. So if you would, I just invite you to close your eyes and we're going to see if we can explore this inner energy for a moment. So for right now, I would like you to picture, if you would, a difficult relationship. Now, this is a relationship that makes you a bit crazy. Maybe a present relationship, or it might be one from your past. But if you would, just picture this difficult relationship. Maybe think about how awkward things were. If you would, think of some of the unkind things that may have been said or done. And then think of how you felt when things were difficult. Notice in your body, if you can, how your body is even feeling when you think about the difficulty in this relationship. And then if you're you're game, even picture maybe one of the worst times you had together. Maybe there was a fight or maybe a subject of discussion that was always off limits. And if you would just feel this feeling of separation or, or whatever it is. All right. Now we're going to change gears. Now, if you would, just clear your mind for a moment. And now picture your first true love. Now, it may have faded with time, or it may have even gone wrong, but if you would picture it in its first blush of beautiful, gorgeous first love. And if you would think about um, him or her for a moment, think of maybe how she or he looked, the way he walked, the way she held herself. And then picture some of the best times together that you had when you were with this person and first in love. Maybe there was a special restaurant that you went to. Maybe a favorite pastime. Feel these feelings of love and connection once again. All right, I'd like you to open your eyes now. Could you feel the difference? Kind of a striking difference, isn't it? And yet nothing changed on the outside. It's not really that I made you feel a certain way. And that person, although I suppose that person could be right here in the room with you right now, either good or bad, probably not, right? Those feelings that you felt, that energy, that stirring in your bodies, either positive or negative, was from you. And you just thinking about it. This is what, in this book, that Michael Singer calls the energy of the heart. And this is what really fuels our ability on the, if you will, the spiritual side of things to get done. Even as we we use food, as we use air, as we use sleep, as we use water to fuel our physical bodies, this is what we use to fuel our spiritual body. And here's what he says about it. He says, what you'll see if you watch carefully is that you have a phenomenal amount of energy inside you. It doesn't come from food and it doesn't come from sleep. This energy is always available to you. At any moment, you can draw upon it. 
It just wells up and fills you from inside. And when you're filled with this energy, you feel like you can take on the world. The only reason you don't feel this energy all the time is because you block it. You block it simply by closing your heart, by closing your mind, and pulling yourself in to a restrictive space inside. This is what closes you off from the infinite energy of the divine. It's still there, but it can't get in. And in fact, I want to suggest it actually feels almost like the reverse. When you closed off your heart, doesn't it almost feel like the, the universe is sucking the energy out of you? I was thinking of some examples in my own life where, you know, no physical activity took place at all, and yet after the day was over, you feel like you've run a marathon, you feel exhausted. And I, I wrote down some of, the few, uh, some of the things in my life that'll produce this. Like one is if I'm really holding a grudge, if I'm really standing in judgment with someone, and then I'm with that person for a few hours, oh my gosh, I get home and I'm exhausted and <laughs> I haven't done a darn thing. And the same, the same I would suggest with people that I think a little bit kind of drive me crazy. Do you know what I mean? Either their personality is just enough different from mine or they're, they're sometimes, like in the morning, I'm kind of low energy and if I'm with someone who's really high energy in the morning, it's like after a couple hours I'm ready to go to bed again. Do you know what I mean? And yet nothing physically has happened. It's the energy that is lost because I'm in resistance and I have simply closed my heart. And this can happen for any number of reasons. I wrote down some. Responding to a crisis, saying something that's untrue, responding to other people's emotions, not meeting expectations of myself and others, meeting with my boss. I remember my old boss at the telephone company. I tell you, I would start anticipating how bad it was going to be. Now think about this. If you don't believe that in our own hearts, we create our emotions. Think about someone that you've repeatedly maybe had a little bit of trouble doing communications with. And you know, and, and I still remember this one meeting I had with my boss. He like called on Friday and said, I need to meet with you at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. See you then. I gotta tell you, right? I spent all weekend like kind of torn up around this. It ended up being totally nothing. And yet I was like, you know, forbear for the fight or the, the defense of the realm or who knows what. You know, totally made up in my own mind. This is how we can control on a bad day what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we're used to. It's totally up here. My boss may have pushed my buttons, but it's like, whose buttons are they? They were my buttons. And the process of closing my heart, well, in fact, another way of looking at it for you Star Trek um, fans, remember that on the Enterprise, when they were doing some kind of dangerous experiment or maybe they'd beamed aboard something that was thought to be dangerous, they would do what? They would put a containment field around it, right? And you always knew when Picard got the containment field ready, oh boy, something inside that is trouble. Well, that in a sense, is what we've done to our own hearts. We've put a containment field around it. And i got to tell you, when you walk into a room and your heart is contained and shut off, 
in the same way that we responded to the containment field on Deep Space Nine, other people are responding to that. They're looking at you and they're going, oh my God, what is inside there? Because they can absolutely sense that your heart is closed down, that you're ready for something unpleasant to happen. You're ready for who knows what to happen. And if you've ever had the unfortunate um, position of being unemployed and feeling a little bit desperate, going for those first two job interviews, right? What do you think is being portrayed to your potential new boss or the hiring team, right? He's scared. He's worried that he'll never get another job again, right? All the things you don't want to have portrayed. And yet... When we go at things with that closed heart in that place of resistance, the universe pushes right back at us. That is the invitation for the universe to have its closed heart as well. Now, where does this come from, do you think? I have a theory, and actually, Michael Singer um, has the same theory in his book, so it must be right, of course. (laughs) He may have even had it first, I don't know. But my theory is that this is left over from the era of the dinosaurs. When things would present themselves in a nasty way, we had to what? We had to either fight or we had to flight. It was either fighting or running. And my thought is, simply over the millennia, We have switched from fearful for our own physical well-being to somehow being fearful that our own thoughts and ideas are being on trial, that our own, you know, innermost part of us is likewise under under fire or going to be attacked. And, And perhaps this can be useful. I mean, I'm not suggesting that when something presents itself that is trouble, that we shouldn't recognize it as trouble. But do we really have to have those same sensations that would either have us get the club out or run for the cave? Do you know what I mean? Oftentimes when someone does or says something very simple, it might be unkind, but we get that reaction just as though the dinosaur just popped out from among the trees, right? Do you know what I mean? We are absolutely ready to either run for the hills or begin defending our position, our, our life. Our, do you know what I mean? It's like we put 110% of our, enge, uh, of our energy into simply being in absolute denial of what's going on, of being in resistance to what's going on, into completely shutting down our heart and any potential for having something good come from it. I want to suggest today that we can do things a little differently. In the same way that for two entire days before I met with my boss on Monday morning, I was coloring my life with fears of being fired, or, or I was racking my brain for some project I had done that I'd done poorly, right? I was struggling with, you know, all the thoughts and emotions of what I had done wrong. I want to suggest to you that we can put the same attention into events coming up only on the good side. Instead of focusing on what might go wrong, instead of focusing on what has gone wrong in the past... Why don't we just leave our heart open? I don't think that any real dinosaurs are going to come our way. I think the thoughts of us being eaten by wolves, you know, have diminished over the years. I think it's safe, by and large, 
to have our hearts unguarded, to just bring down that containment field so that everyone can see we're regular people with an opening for love and life and good things. We're not on high anxiety watch. I think that we can choose differently. And I want to give you a few ideas of how we might start about on this. First of all, simply awareness. Are you aware of when you're closing off your heart? When you close off your heart, you close off the chance of having a really good interaction. You close off the chance at perceiving love, at perceiving peace. You close off the possibility of something wildly good happening instead of something negative. So are you aware of what your buttons are? Are you aware of, you know, we think about this in different ways, but are you aware of the things that can happen and that people can say that will close you down? Okay. If you're aware of it, you can begin to change it. The second step here, I think, is knowing simply that you can consciously make a change here. That you can say, you know, that's interesting. My boss wants to see me on Monday morning. You know, this is a great opportunity for me to spend some quality time with the boss. You know, I have several ideas that I've always kind of wanted to implement. If only the boss was around for me to kind of talk about it a little bit. And here's my big chance. Do you see how you can flip that actually pretty easy? You can begin visualizing yourself with the boss on your side and having a good time. Do you know what I mean? You're simply setting yourself up with a much, a much better chance at having a good outcome by instead of closing your heart, having your heart open. You can change not only how you feel, but therefore the outcomes you can anticipate. Okay, then the third step, this one's really important. When you feel your heart closing, when you feel your anxiety uh, arising, and, and for a lot of us, we even know physical symptoms that go with it, right? For me, the shoulders tend to go up if I'm in resistance to something. Uh, some people say it's the pit of the stomach. Oh my God, I had this. When she walked in the room, I had this sinking feeling. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Have you, have you heard expressions like that? I know a lot of people, too, feel a tightness in the chest if something isn't going wrong or, or if something is going wrong or some social interaction is going poorly it'll be a like i almost couldn't breathe i had trouble just speaking it was like all tight in here when you get those symptoms in yourself simply begin the process of relaxing notice them and simply drop the shoulders back down take a little bit of a deeper breath so that your breath isn't short simply relax and then the hardest part of this whole thing don't do anything simply relax you don't even need to say anything if someone does something that is uh, is bothering you if something happens that's not the way you liking some place where normally you would go into that place of resistance that that place of flight or fight relax and don't do anything and perhaps some crazy advice, if you have to do something, then do the opposite of what you would normally do. If your normal reaction is to cower in the cave, do you know what I mean? Have you ever had one of those uh, interchanges with someone and it just made you feel like crawling in under the blankets and spending the day in bed? And certainly you feel like not saying a word. If that's you, then instead talk. Maybe say something like, 
oh my God, when you said that, it made me feel whatever. When you said that, I got this sinking feeling. I mean, just describe, if you would, your symptoms even. It will be a place of opening your heart in that area of truth. And if, you, if it's the opposite for you, if instead you often feel like, oh my gosh, all right, I'm ready for you. I'll take you on. You walk right in here and all, no problem. If that is you, then do the opposite of that. Absolutely don't say a word. Just let it pass by. Be the rock in the stream of life, just allowing the water to pass through without any care or any worry. Now, I know these will be hard suggestions at first, but with the same passion that we can rev ourselves up into a bit bit of melodrama, I know that we can put our intentions instead on revving down into a point of peace. And so I'd like to close with uh, another quote from the untethered soul and, of course, a prayer. You can't fight the mind. In fact, you don't even have to change it. You just make a game out of relaxing in the face of your own melodrama. You simply learn how to release the tendency for getting drawn into negative energy. If you can learn to maintain centered with the smaller things, you will see that you can remain centered with even bigger things. And over time you will find you can even remain centered with the really big things, the, type of, the types of events that would have destroyed you in the past can come and go, leaving you perfectly centered and peaceful. If you don't hold on to these issues inside, you can go about your life without getting psychologically damaged. No matter what events take place in life, it is always better to let go rather than to close your heart. So let us pray. There is one power, one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life. And what I know about life, it is the very essence and existence of love and support. And as this is true in general, I know it's true for me. I know it's true for each person in this room, that the support of the universe is at hand, that the love of the universe is here for each one of us. And with this love, I know each person here has that willingness and ability to keep their heart open, to let down any containment fields that wall us off from being able to fully feel the love of life. And so for each person here, I acknowledge a a willingness to simply be a little bit more aware of when we close our hearts and what it might take to let them be open, to simply allow the events and the people that might be annoying or might cause resentments or, um, or other feelings to well up, to allow them to just feel the feeling and then let it go, knowing that peace is always at hand. And so I am simply grateful for this awareness, grateful that each person here has the power to change their thoughts, to let go of things that have put them in places of resistance, to allow each person here to experience more of the energy that comes from an open heart. And I am simply grateful for this, grateful for the presence of God showing up as each person in this room and beyond. I simply let it be, and so it is. So it is. Thank you very much. <coughs> Thanks for being here today.